I'm creative business coach Anastasia Williams, and you are listening to Making Magic, a podcast for fiber artists, makers, and creatives who are looking to craft a business with intention. Hello, we are at episode 40 today, which is very exciting. And exciting also because it's a coaching episode. Um, Today I'm talking with Ann Sammons of Leaf Livestock Wool Company. So that's Leaf L-E-A-F. And we are talking all things marketing when you don't have time to market, (laughs) which is the ever-present problem of shepherds. Um, But we also to discuss some of the ways of how to market in a way that doesn't feel gross and doesn't feel super braggy. Um, and it, it's, it's a really good one. Um, and she has been, you know, doing this for quite some time. So I think that you will get a lot out of this episode. Uh, tell us about what you do and how you got started doing it and how you got to where you are today. Okay. Sure. Hi, I'm Anne, and um, my family farm is called Leaf Livestock, and my husband and I have been production sheep raising for a long time, for as long as we've been married. Um, I work off the farm. I'm a school teacher, so um, a lot of the big jobs happen on weekends, you know, where we can work together. But um, I never, I was not interested in the wool on our beautiful sheep, we raised Columbias and Rambolets, um, natural coloreds and polypays. And um, I was not at all interested in the wool until about 10 years ago, maybe even sooner than that. And um, we were shearing one day and the shearer was complaining about our brown wool. And he kind of commented that it was worth nothing. And I really felt um, that that kind of struck me that because they provide us with so much that it was kind of, um, it confused me as to why he said their wool was worth nothing. Mm -hmm. And so at that time in my um, wool journey, my, um, I really didn't know much about the wool industry in America. And, um, you know, we were mainly production, mainly breeding stock and meat, you know, market lambs. And so um, I started learning a little bit more and I um, decided that at that point I wanted to learn to spin because, you know, for whatever, if it sounds hokey, I don't mean it to sound um, canned, but, you know, to honor the sheep, to honor the... um, what they provide us Mm. and so um i learned to spin and um i had some of our fiber processed and it was just wonderful it was a mill in um, illinois that processed it for us and so after um learning to spin after processing that first fleece i started processing more and more and um i just really enjoyed every every breed that we raise we um have some really beautiful animals and so um before i knew it i had way more fiber than i knew what to do with and so i thought okay well 
if I can keep processing fiber and if I can sell some of it, I can pay the mill bill because that's expensive. That is expensive. Mm -hmm. But it's also, you know, working off the farm and um, being so busy with our boys and then also running at the time it was like a 200 head flock. Um, I didn't have time to learn how to process it. And I really didn't want to, that didn't um, appeal to me. And so, um, you know, I was just kind of checking out different mills, um, really bothered that it took six months to get it back. So uh, (laughs) that really bothered me. So I connected with a mill in Wisconsin and I felt like she did really great work. And so I just kept sending fleece to her, sending fleece to her and having more and more processed. Um, And, this is kind of crazy, but at about that time, um, I'm not real into social media, or at least I wasn't at the time. I guess I've kind of learned to be um, more into it just because I feel like that's a, a great way to reach people and to share your story. And um, so <laughs> um, our boys were in high school, our twins were in high school, and they were into Facebook and they were into Instagram. And so um i also was keeping up with their events that way so so it's kind of silly but facebook opened my eyes to really the world of or at least social media you know searching on internet searches and such opened my eyes to the world of um fiber arts i had no idea that it was all out there it was just kind of a um wow this is so amazing it was so amazing for me um Anyway, so at at one point I got connected with um, a fiber artist who provided monthly um, spinning subscriptions. And so, you know, I was using that as a way to pay my mill bill, which was great. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was making enough to buy some really neat equipment, which was good too. so really i kind of fell into a business or making money at something i was enjoying without um without really knowing what i was getting myself into Mm. or without knowing how i could further you know the business um at one point i was no i was dropped as a um, provider to that uh, subscription box and you know in hindsight i kind of wonder um she still runs it And in hindsight, I kind of wonder if maybe I wasn't pulling my weight in terms of advertising. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a give and take. She buys your wool. She markets you. Um, Maybe I should have been doing more social media stuff. Or um, I did have her uh, business on my website, which was great. But, you know, I don't know. The... um, um, Hmm. Let's see. And then after that, I had all this wool and I didn't know what to do with it besides spin it myself. And so I became connected with um, a Facebook group called Wool and Fiber Arts and that, they go by WAFA. And so we, we do monthly or every other month online sales. And I have sold a ton of spinning fiber. And it's just so great to connect with people who love my product um, who appreciate my work. And so I feel like, um, you know, at first my goal was to pay the mill bill. 
Next, my goal was to, um, you know, be able to buy a really great drum carter um, or a new spinning wheel. And then, um, so now my, you know, I guess I keep upping the ante and, and so now I think my goal is to sell out our wool every every year. Um, I, I skirt every bit and I send every bit to the mill. At least I try to, I've got 30 fleece that I still need to get through. Um, because number one, it's too nice to, um, just send to the wool pool. It's too yeah. nice. Yeah. And, um, I don't want to let it go for pennies. I don't feel like that's the right thing to do with it. And right. so I process every bit and, um, so I want to make sure that I'm, um, you know, reaching maybe more customers or um, making sure that I'm, I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm providing a great product. There's no doubt. And I, and my customers give me really great feedback. And so I know I am, I don't think that that's a concern of mine. Um, but, but I just want to make sure that I can keep, you know, my momentum going and um, learn how to market mm -hmm. better, I think. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah. I also one another thing that so I, I like I said, I sell out of my spinning fiber, that's never a concern. Um, but I, I have a lot of yarn okay <laughs> so and so oh i forgot to tell you i'm a weaver <laughs> and i weave my yarn um so once i um when i learn to spin i'm not a crocheter and i'm not a knitter and um i needed something to do with my yarn and so i learned to weave and so really i think my first um you know so i sell my weaving items too and you know gosh if i can learn how to market that better i would be in great shape yeah okay yeah. okay all right so we've got some things to talk about here okay um the very first thing that i want to dive into is just a comment that you made when you were talking about your trajectory a little bit mm -hmm. uh the one where you're talking about the subscription box and how you felt maybe yes. like you weren't pulling your weight um mm -hmm. Have you ever asked for feedback or asked if there's something that you could have done better or differently in that situation? No, I haven't, but I think that that's a really great idea. To be honest, um, and I don't mean to criticize anyone, that's not my point, um, but I, may I be, I misunderstood. <laughs> Maybe I misunderstood. I thought that she was no longer going to have the fiber subscription. Mm. Um, and then all of a sudden I started seeing um, ads for it again. And I thought, mm. wait a minute. Mm. And then I thought, okay, maybe only she was going to be the provider. And then, so I was, I kind of felt, um, I just distanced myself, but maybe I need to do that. Maybe yeah. I need to um, follow up and just find out what I could have done um, 
differently or better or why were some chosen over me? Is yeah. That... Yeah. Okay. Cause I think that a lot of times it, it's, it's similar to when you're applying for a job and you go through all the interviews and you're not the one who's chosen being able to ask for that feedback and saying, what could I have done better? Or, uh-huh. you know, how could I have helped you more is really informative for both the person that you're asking because it allows them to reflect on that and actually make a concise decision or put those feelings that they felt into words, which takes mm-hmm. time and is challenging. Mm-hmm. But it also allows you then to take that information and either you know consume the parts that make sense and are able to be internalized or discard the stuff that's unhealthy and unhelpful. And then it could help you going forward if you were looking into other partnerships or other types of collaborations as well. Right. And I um, I do have a couple collaborations going on right now, which is another something, you know, if I look at long-term goals, um, you know, I would really love to connect with somebody that would love to use my yarn in their project, you know, like a, a dyer or... Mm. Um, Yes. And, and I, and I was really close to forming a a relationship with a a dyer and this fellow and his partner, um, dying partner have beautiful color palettes. And, um, you know, he loved my yarn and I loved his color palettes and we, we were so close. And, um, unfortunately, and this is where I, you know, I don't, I can't regret this because it's what I had to do but he could only afford to pay me. Um, it didn't cover the mill cost. Okay. And, you know, maybe in hindsight, I could have cut the loss because that would have allowed for, um, you know, maybe publicity or um, attention that could have garnered more um, speed going forward. Mm-hmm. But, it, but at the time I just, I just really felt like, um, you know, if, if I can't be paid for what I need to get out of it, then I'm going to keep it and use it. And I, and I felt okay about that. Although I did feel, um, regret, um, it was okay. Yeah. It was was okay. Um, I, I felt like I was so very new in the working out collaborations that, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that he got what he needed in the deal, but I also had to, um, make sure I did too. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I, I think it, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's never a bad thing to want to cover your costs. I don't think. And there are moments in time where, taking a loss on something could make sense, but it it really is dependent on how much of a loss you're taking, how much yarn are you actually selling at a lower price um, in order to, you're right, those mill costs, they are not cheap and you have to wait a very long time to get everything back. So you almost lose money in the process just waiting for it. Right. And you know, I I, honestly, in both situations, um, with the subscription box and with the um, dyer, you know, I maybe my business experience is um, it, it, I was just so very new in my knowing how the fiber world works mm-hmm. 
that maybe I was missing something. Maybe I didn't know how those deals went down. I don't know. And it's okay. It's okay to be new and it's okay to have things fall through or things not work out. And that's how we learn and that's Mm -hmm. how we grow. And that's how we become better at what we're doing. Right. Yes. And I felt that way. And, you know, since then I've been approached by a couple dyers and um, I do have my yarn, which is kind of cool on um, a designer's website, which I, I felt really great that she approached me and wanted to have um, our farm yarn on her website. Um, so I, I, I need to, I feel like I need to just keep pursuing those um, mm-hmm. collaborations, yeah. but I, I will, I will check back with her and see um, what, what I could have done differently. Mm-hmm. I think also, and, and at the time of her business, it was just taking a hit with, you know, everything shutting down. And um, mm-hmm. it was, I think it was about a year ago that um, she changed her course. Yeah. And, yeah. And I mean, I it, it's not always the best idea necessarily to go back, but I think if, especially if you've got some doubts about things or you're concerned mm-hmm. that maybe there was something that you should have done differently, then I definitely think for your peace of mind, it could be very well worth it. Yep. Um, I agree. Okay. So you have a job, like a full-time job, correct? Yes. Okay. And then you have, how many head of sheep do you have at the moment? Um, right now we only have a hundred. We're down to a hundred. Only a hundred. Okay. <laughs> right. All right. So you've got hundred sheep. You've got and how old are your sons? The youngest is 14 and right. the others are soon to be 20, 24 and 29. Okay. So you've got, you've, you've got things that are asking time of you. Right. And on top of that, you would also like to have some hobbies. So when we look at business and we look at marketing and we look at what you are realistically able to do and fit in, in a schedule. And I get very picky about this and very tuned into this with shepherds specifically because of the amount of work that you guys do. And sometimes the unpredictability of the schedule, Mm -hmm. it's not like you just set hours and then you do them. It's you do the things when they need to be done. Right. Um, right. Like the, the really cool mom that we had that wasn't feeling well today. So we had to doctor her and take special care of her instead of doing something else. And that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yes. Yeah. So (laughs) when I, when I think about kind of focusing, when you are looking at finding ways to focus in on sales, um, I don't think that it's going to involve having the most amazing website ever. I don't think it's going to necessarily involve spending tons and tons of time on social media unless you want to, right? Like if, if Instagram and Facebook are relatively newish to you and you feel as though you don't necessarily have the time or the input to do a ton with it, then you can forgive yourself in a lot of ways of, (laughs) it's okay to let some of that go by the wayside. Um, Though I will say that Instagram specifically, especially when you look at stories, the little snippet ones are going to be really great for a farm because Mm -hmm. you can show the day-to-day things and tell stories in that way. Right. 
and that's what I try to do. You know, mm. I, I, there, there may be weeks that I don't post anything and there may be weeks where I post two or three times, mm -hmm. but, um, I, I am able to do a little bit more sharing through, um, stories and, um, you know, like right now we have lambs and they're just as cute as can be and people <laughs> yeah. love them. And, um, it's funny, my husband, um, I call him the shepherd on my social media stuff. And then my 14 year old, who's kind of been with me through this journey of, you know, he went with me on when I went to learn to spin. He has been with me to vendor shows. He used to farm, uh, attend the farmer's market booth with me. He loves to run the debit card reader through the, um, <laughs> he does he loves it. And so I call him the assistant. He's the assistant. And, um, he he really enjoys being involved and i try to um respect his privacy but i also he loves to be involved yeah but um the shepherd um posted a picture of a mom and two lambs last week and it's probably our most popular post Ooh. of all times because people love that yeah they love the um the livestock, they love the lambs. They yeah. love it. Nobody yeah. can say no to a lamb. You just nope. can't say no to a lamb. It's nope. not possible. No. <laughs> so nope. right now, the majority of the sales that you make, would you say, where do those happen? Um, a majority of the sales happen through this wool and fiber arts okay. online sales. Okay. Um, and you know, it's funny. I feel totally comfortable um presenting to my beautiful fiber to however many people are watching on our facebook lives and um but it's just it it seems um it, it it's becoming easier you know of course it is i've done it you know uh, almost 10 times but um, I have a core group of people that will watch my show and they will um, buy my bats and um, spinning fiber. Um, not as much as the yarn, but they, um, it's really nice. It's really rewarding to um, create the fiber that, that people love. Yeah. So, but the, I mainly through that, um, I do, I've had a couple pop-ups in the last month or so, and I did really well with those, which was um, very, it was really nice because I'm not, um, I'm not very fond of vendor shows and I'm not, not very fond just because, you know, I'm busy throughout the week. Um, we have big chores on the weekend. And so it's really hard for me to take that time away to go live sale. Maybe someday it will be um, easier, maybe. Okay. Um, and, you know, so it's mainly that that online. Okay, okay. Well, I'm really glad that you found a way to find people that is a little bit different than just popping on Instagram and hoping somebody sees your stuff. Yeah. You've got an Definitely. engaged group. So- Definitely. The, the question that I have here is just when you look at the ratio of bats or do you sell roving as well? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So at the ratio of bats and roving that you have processed versus the amount of yarn you have processed, is that ratio in any way something that you could adjust to meet demand? Because you say you sell out of the spinning fiber every year. The yarn's kind of what remains. Is there a part of you that's might be interested in doing less yarn, more spinning stuff? Sure. Yes. Um, and I usually don't process yarn until I see that I'm running low on mm. the white stuff, on the white stuff, the stuff that I can dye or the gray stuff. And so right now I'm out of white yarn. And okay. so I'm, I'm going to have um, the white yarn run um, mm-hmm. hopefully soon. It's been at the mill since July. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know what? That's par for the course. That's par for the course with the really um, busy bills. Mm -hmm. So, and she does beautiful work. So it's, it's worth waiting for. Um, But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I, um, a couple years ago, I was so very adamant that I was going to have yarn created at a mill. um, And I had a lot made and I'm just not, I'm just not, it's nice. It's it, the feel is beautiful. It's, I just don't know if I can um, sell it to people for them to resell because, you know, I have to work through that stash myself. I think yeah. I heard you say one time that you, um, you just weren't in love with it anymore. Yeah. With, um, I don't know. It was in one of your, anyway, but I feel like I, it's beautiful and I just need to weave with it. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I do get that quite, quite a bit. Um, I have a whole box. I have a whole box. I have a couple of boxes of my old stuff that, oh, I don't think anybody else would want it, but. Well, I think people would want this, but I don't feel like it's anyway it's soft it's beautiful um it's the anyway okay okay well i mean it's one of those things too that if you feel like you could move it and you feel like you want to move it you can always put a lower tag on it and see how it does especially in person showing it in person at an at a you know one of the farmers markets or vendor events would love people to touch it and one of um Something I did lately is I created like a special colorway for an event. And I thought that um, people loved it. People loved it. And um, the yarn. What a good idea. What a good idea. Thanks. That's a really (laughs) good idea. I probably got that from you. I don't think so. Because, (laughs) I mean, I've seen people run special sales at events. But to have a special color that's only at an event mm-hmm. is way better because there's no sale. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, that is a really, really, really smart idea. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> um, one thing that you had mentioned prior to us coming on and recording is this fear around or concern around being obnoxious when you sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. 
Well, and I think, you know, do people follow social media sites because they want to see you say, buy my yarn? Or, and and so I, yes, I, I don't want to come across as obnoxious. I want to come across as genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone who believes her fiber is beautiful and um, her products are wonderful. Yeah. So I, I don't want to sound obnoxious. You know, I, I often think that at the point that someone is saying, I'm worried about being obnoxious is the point that you probably aren't. Okay. <laughs> I feel like somebody who is comfortable being obnoxious is probably obnoxious. Okay. And the reality is, is that obnoxious is subjective mm-hmm. and hard to pinpoint. So everybody's version of what that is, is different. So what you feel is your threshold for someone being obnoxious could be far different than what a customer's threshold is. Right. Especially given the fact that social media has algorithms. Mm -hmm. And so not everyone sees what you do. And also given the fact that in general, we need to see or hear about something roughly nine times before we're ready to buy it. Right. And people aren't going to buy it if they don't, if, if they don't know you have it for sale. Exactly. So, exactly. Yes. You know, that is, that is key. But the, the other thing is when you're saying, do people follow accounts on social media in order to hear someone say, buy my stuff? The answer is yes. If somebody's following you and it is clear in your bio or in any way mm-hmm. that you have a business, that you sell yes. things, mm-hmm. then people are coming in with the agreement and saying, I want to follow this person. And I know they're going to try to sell to me. That is, that is the give and take of it mm-hmm. is that I can be here for the content. I want to see the content. And I'm perfectly okay with you saying, hey, buy my stuff or finding a way to say it that works for you. Mm -hmm. I think maybe that's more what's important for you specifically is being able to talk about it in more of an organic and fluid way so that you don't feel like you are just saying, go buy it. Yes. Right. And Mm -hmm. um, when it comes down to whether or not that's obnoxious, Obnoxious to me, and this is from somebody who does a lot of research on marketing, but obnoxious to me can feel ingenuine right off the bat because typically people are operating from a place of not ethics. Like there's, there's not an ethical place that they're coming from. There's a lot of manipulation tactics. There's a lot of human psychology being played into, and it don't envision that you are doing these things (laughs) well and maybe obnoxious um um maybe just not well i guess it is obnoxious just repeatedly attempting to sell something yeah Mm -hmm. i don't want it to come across like that because really that's not i don't know right how i want it to be well we sell in different ways 
Um, and we, we meet people where they're at along their journey with us mm-hmm. in so many ways. You have specific content and things that you talk about or would talk about if somebody were to show up on your account and say, who's this and what are they about? You can create specific posts for that. You can create conversation around those things. And then as somebody gets to know you and maybe they're considering a purchase, but they're not quite sure, or they want a little more detail, then those are the kind of posts that you start to fill that need and mm-hmm. explain more of the detail of the farm, more of the detail of your story, more of the detail of the product. What is it used for, et cetera, et cetera. And at right. the point that somebody's really ready to buy, sometimes they just need that extra, just so you know, we've talked about this over this journey. This is the time I have it available. It's on the shop. Now you're not, you're serving in that way. You are giving everyone all the information that they need to know so that they as consenting adults Mm -hmm. can make that decision and say, I want to put my money here. Sure. Well, and maybe that's what I need to work on is having more themed um, social media content I, rather than just fly in, you know, mm-hmm. rather than, oh, that this, this is great. Let's do it. Yeah. Bing, post. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something I've been thinking about for a while. And, you know, I've, um, you know, there's different ways to reach customers and it's not all through social media. And I've right. been listening to you tell me that. <laughs> and it may be through a newsletter. Yep. And so <laughs> I hear a lot of people do that these days. <laughs> um, so, you know, and maybe that's what I need to do is start narrating um, our story mm-hmm. through um, social media posts, through mm-hmm. website or through um, newsletters, mm-hmm. because I don't have a newsletter. And mm-hmm. Maybe that would be a, a next step because, um, you know, a lot of people don't know how to have a website and yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have a website. Yeah. <laughs> a lot yeah. of people don't know I have a, a shop on my website. Well, I do. And, and there again, it's probably because I just don't shout it out often enough. Right. Um, and, yeah. and maybe that's what I need to start doing. Well, and, and, and I would agree with it. And that comes from a place of me being somebody who teaches marketing, but also mm-hmm. I've seen the limits that people put on, on themselves for these fears that we have that are largely unfounded, that are largely the opposite of what needs to happen and largely typically they're the result of internal narratives that we've either learned, been taught, taught ourselves over time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is therapy work, right? That's not my job, but there is a lot of, especially in the fiber arts industry, a lot of, in a, in a female dominated industry, you know, we are, you know, a sex that has been largely told to be nice, to be quiet, to, to not put yourself out there, to not be showy, sure. you know? And so yeah. I think a lot of that comes with the territory of just being a woman in general. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or identifying as such. But I think also that it is, it's a good exercise to, to find new and interesting ways to talk about things because largely what I said earlier is that you're serving, you are serving a need. People have a need that they need filled and you have it. So if you are a selling to a spinner, so a spinner may want locally sourced wool. They may want breed specific wool and it may be challenging for them to find it elsewhere. So you are filling that need. Well, obviously there is a demand. You have validated that product because you sell out of it. Right. Right. Um, Let me share a really cool story. And this is kind of a a bragging on my end. Please, Um, please brag. I forgot about it. I totally forgot about it until you said breed specific. Um, I was contacted for um, 10 pounds of Columbia comb top. I'm like, well, yeah, I've got that. (laughs) (laughs) I sold, um, I sold out of my Columbia comb top the minute it, before it even came to my home to a, um, a fiber guild in New York. Mm. Wow. This is so great. And, um, that's, that's what I would love to do with all of my fiber to make the connection to the people that, um, that really want it. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Spinners, spinners love straight off the farm. I mean, it's, it's very, very much so. I mean, obviously right. not straight up. They were doing the a breed study. They were doing a breed study. And um, the person who was in charge of locating the fiber knew of um, one farmer uh, that she had met on Etsy. And this person did not have enough Columbia top. And um, so she knew of the Woolen Fiber Arts Group and which, you know, which is the monthly um, online live sales. And so somebody just put out an all call on that, that Facebook group saying, Hey, who, who has Columbia comb top? And somebody tagged me in the post and sure enough. Yeah. I've got 10 pounds. Yeah. Thanks for asking. That group sounds like an amazing resource. Um, you know, it really is. And I, and I learned a lot about, um, a lot about, um, just things to do and not to do on that group um, that I feel like, yeah, a lot of great resources. It was a really good start and, you know, not start, but a really good um, next step or second step or whatever um, along this journey. Yeah. And um, yeah. 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 Cause I think that something like that is where, you know, this is where you start to, you know, find those learnings. Mm -hmm. And then the social media, the newsletter, all of those things are then basically a compounding of the, that learning and Mm -hmm. broadcasting that out to a different audience. So if you're wanting to start a newsletter, which if somebody were to say, should I have a website or should I have a newsletter? I'd probably say newsletter. I know the website functions for sales for you. So that's a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but, and as insofar as communicating messages and signposting newsletters are great. Um, when it comes to, to shepherds and farms, a lot of people show up to the newsletter for the lamb pictures, for the sheep pictures, for the behind the scenes information, which doesn't always work for everybody. Some, Mm -hmm. some people don't really care about behind the scenes with 
um, I don't know, most businesses in general. There's a lot of behind the scenes on a farm. Yes, a massive amount. Right. Probably um, more than I really want to share, but that's okay. <laughs> right. And and that's the thing because is it's that so much work. there's so much and it's not all roses. And sometimes having those moments of vulnerability where you are able to kind of share the stories that aren't always super, super positive can be helpful in educating people on how this process goes. Um, it, it can be a form of connection, but really you'll have to decide and, and play with it a little bit. And I would say when you're talking about doing those categories, and if we're talking about categories, as far as where somebody is along a journey with you, I think that's a really great question is, you know, what does somebody need to know if they've just discovered you and what can you talk about to basically give them information and then move down the line? All right. So they have some information, but what do they want to know to, in order to be ready to buy from me? And then you move down the line of, okay, so what do they need to know to actually complete the sale? And that usually, that last bit is usually, where can I buy it? You know, that that's usually pretty simple. And so those, those posts have their places. They never do well. They don't. When you have something up online and you say, here it is, come buy it. The engagement's poor, but that doesn't mean it doesn't convert. It doesn't mean that people don't go and do it. Right, right. I noticed that whenever I make a um, post about my upcoming sale, it has like the least amount of likes. Not yeah. that not that I think likes mean anything. They don't, but it's just, those are the ones that people are like, eh, scroll by, scroll by. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but the thing is, is that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they haven't gone and checked it out. It doesn't mean that they didn't go and, you know, mm -hmm. click the link in your bio or anything. Yeah. So, and we, we, when we work with social media, we do have to be willing to accept the fact that sometimes things just aren't going to do well, which is fine. Right. It's totally right. fine. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that, that specifically for you, that may be a good trajectory to take people along a good, uh, path to kind of guide them along in order to be ready to make a sale. And you can guide people along a path with different types of content that meets them where they're at in multiple places. You know, whether that's, um, you know, whether you put certain pieces on your website that speak to all those different mm -hmm. areas or th those different steps on the path, whether that is a newsletter and whether that's on social media. Um, but I also too, largely believe that we also need to focus on the need being met and the the desire that the other person has because mm -hmm. they're always going to be looking for that thing that makes them more interested and everything that makes them more interested in something that's like personally interested in, that they're interested in themselves, right? So from a selfish perspective is what I'm trying to say. We all look at things from a selfish, selfish perspective. What can this do for me? Mm -hmm. But when I'm, when I'm looking at farm things, me specifically, for me, I love the education. I learn so much. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's helpful. I could probably do a better job of that. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's whatever you're comfortable with. Again, I know there's a lot on there that there's a well, lot. Well, and truth be told, I am not a farm person 
from the get-go. I grew up in town. I have, yes, my grandparents were farmers, but it seems like a lot of grandparents at the times were farmers. Um, <laughs> so I am learning daily. My yes. husband um, teaches me so much daily about, you know, feed ration ratio, um, you know, how to, to doctor them. <clears throat> you know, he, he sometimes quizzes me just to see how well I pay attention. <laughs> you know, he commented on, on the feeding cycle, you know, that he'll be, he'll start feeding them more heavily at night. And he said, do you know why I do that? <laughs> well, yeah, because then they're thirstier and they'll drink more and they'll keep the waters thawed. I think he was pretty proud of me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, so, well, good job. Good job. I know. Wait, good job to him for teaching me that. But there's, you know, and that right there, city slickers aren't going to know that. No. They're not going to know. No. And that would be, <clears throat> that would be um, an interesting, perhaps, you know, um, I read an article, and this is something that I wanted to share with you. I read an article about, and this could kind of go along with the, the, a day in the life, you know, the sharing information, but I'd read an article, um, about the true cost of farm yarn <laughs> and, um, it's in a magazine that I subscribe to and it, it's, it, it, and it's just interesting that, um, you know, it was priced at like $65 a skein. And yeah, I'm thinking, crazy. Oh, yeah, nobody's going to spend that. And they knew that too. But, um, but all the work that goes into raising quality fiber may be, um, would be really interesting for people to um, read about. You yeah. Know, like cleaning the waters. You got to keep yeah. those waters clean and it's a gross job. Or, you know, cleaning out... <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. And, and those are the ones that the accounts that I follow, I like to see the day to day. I like to see the little, the, the stories, the stuff that's going on. I know there's a couple that I follow that, you know, they, they show, they talk about how the breeding process goes and yes. they have the, you know, the, they talk about the harness they put on the ram and how, what that does and all those things and it's you know to me it's fascinating i right. grew up on a farm right. right um and we had sheep we had meat sheep we had um hampshires but we got them we boarded them so they only came onto our property after they'd already lambed so i missed all of that you stuff missed the good stuff yeah i missed the fun mm -hmm. no no I, mm -hmm. I actually got the fun stuff i missed the not fun stuff um <clears throat> and the challenging things, but there are certain aspects of that, that I didn't learn. Um, so, you know, now learning about all this stuff as an adult is very, very interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, it, for me, it's, I just think back to my childhood and all the, the things that, you know, the, the guy that we boarded from, uh, mm -hmm. he was, I, he was sweet. Um, but, uh, I just saw him a few months ago and I told him that I had gone to shearing school. Um, and he That's looked at awesome. me and laughed. <laughs> I want to go to shearing school <laughs> because I'm so be like, like Siri. I want to be like Siri and Colin. No, I know. I know. Um, but I'm so I'm, I'm very tall. I'm very thin. And, um, 
I could not, I could, I couldn't, I couldn't do it whatsoever because it was, um, I mean, they gave us pregnant ewes, Hampshire ewes, big, big, big girls, big girls. Um, big. And uh, anyway, but I think sharing is very interesting and I learned a ton mm-hmm. um, and about the sharing process and traveling shares and oh my goodness, there's so mm-hmm. much, but mm-hmm. it, it teaches you a lot. And I even taught, I learned a lot about making sure the fiber is ready for spinners. So, I mean, again, like right. I, there's so much to learn, even if right. you don't, you aren't an active participant in it. And some people really wish that they had their own flocks and they had the ability to have a farm, but it's not feasible and it's not on the docket, but how can they still feel connected to that? And that's with the story. Um, so I think as you learn things, that might be really interesting for other people to learn it as well. Might be. It might be. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, that's part of marketing. I know, um, as we've been talking, Mm -hmm. it can seem like, well, I haven't necessarily, I I mean, I've given you some action points, but a lot of marketing is storytelling. A lot of marketing is repetition and a lot of marketing is visibility. And I think you are finding the places that you need to be and learning to make connections for collaborations, which as a shepherd, I think is very smart because Mm -hmm. you can work with dyers to just sell. You can work with designers to provide yarn support, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't take as much work from you on those types of collaborations. Mm -hmm. So you are able to be a part of something and get the visibility without having to put tons and tons and tons of time and effort into it because you don't have those things. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that would, um, that would be neat yeah. to, to be able to provide the yarn for a project. I would. Yeah. That. And I'm sure that I, I can't, there's so many dyers or d- designers, um, mm-hmm. and, and dyers, dyers are always looking for local yarns, but you're right. The price point, everybody has to pay goes up a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. the, the consumer will ultimately have to pay a little bit more right. for wool that is locally sourced. And then died right and i feel like the right person is willing to pay for it yes they they understand if they understand the story right if they understand where it came from Mm -hmm. that it's been you know if it's naturally died or you know whatever but if they don't have that connection and they don't have that story then they don't put value in it right so then they can't see why it's worth x amount Mm -hmm. um so that that's something that you know, as a dyer, I had a local source and was, you know, I had pictures of the sheep. I had pictures of the shepherdess at my booth. When I vended, we talked Mm -hmm. about, I talked about it extensively and I sold them quite well. They were nice. Um, and it was Cormo. So it was breed specific, which some of the wool that I had, well, the rest of it was like, anyway, it doesn't matter. We're not talking about me, but (laughs) overall, overall, has this been helpful? I think so. I believe it has. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, and I think, you know, truly your podcasts are wonderful. And I have been doing a lot of traveling lately. Um, I picked up my son in Minnesota last week. I listened to you the whole way. Um, my 14 year old, the assistant knows your little catchy tune. All right. <laughs> he loves it. And he says, wait for it, mom, wait for it at the end. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> oh, I love him. He, he is, he is priceless. He is a wonderful youngest child. 
all my kids are great, but he is something else. But I, I feel like tapping into all of those podcasts and um, the homeowners group, the, the Slack group, I feel like everything is just coming together for me. And I really, I just need to like um, find time, find time. Yeah. Give myself grace that I can't do it all. And I right. get that. I really do. Um, getting it and doing it are two different things, right? It's so challenging to right, just let yourself right. not feel like you need to be doing more. Well, and, and that's the thing too, you know, like, um, daylight is farm work and mm -hmm. after dark, well, that's when I get to do my, you know, bat making and tagging and bagging and, and that's okay. I totally get that. I understand those, those boundaries that that has to come first because if it wasn't for the sheep, I wouldn't have the product. Right. Exactly. Yes, right. definitely. Yeah. No, it's, it's been very helpful talking to you and I may or may not do a website or not a website. I have one do a newsletter soon, but I think that just by the storytelling and, um, maybe a blog instead of a newsletter because yeah. that could kind of tie into um you know the the the, the storytelling yeah so that's yeah. A, yeah that's definitely a possibility um oh, so right and then asking that person i took notes and then asking, oh yeah 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 See? definitely and who knows maybe she'll want me back who knows <laughs> who knows who knows who knows um so speaking of the website then, so where can people find you if they want to learn more about your wool? Well, um, our farm name is Leaf Livestock. So leaflivestock.com is our website. And I have a shop there that has um, some finished products, not many, um, some woven items, I, I should say, some bats and some roving and comb top and yarn. And then, um, you know, if you're a Facebook person, you can find us at Leaf Livestock. And if you're an Instagram person, since my husband is not involved in Instagram, it's Ann Leaf Livestock. Okay. Yep. And it's A-N-N-E. A-N-N-E. That's uh -huh. right. That was my okay. dad's doing. He said I had to have a four letter first name. <laughs> <laughs> That's Thanks, perfect. Dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciated yeah. talking to you. Okay, so I want to just make sure that you have the correct spelling for her Instagram username. So it's Anne with an E. So A-N-N-E, Leaf, L-E-A-F as in Frank, Livestock Wool Co. So you can find her. She's got so many cute lambs right now. And we don't always see that many winter lambs just, you know, because most people have their lambs in the spring. So if you need a winter fix, that is the place to go. They are absolutely adorable. Also, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Anne's son, Cy, and say thank you for listening and being a big supporter. Uh, and I am so glad that you are such a great support to your mom and to this business. It is a really exciting thing um, to hear about. All right. So as for the rest of you, and side too, of course. Uh, we will talk more next week. Bye.